0: It's synonymous with every adventure I do, you know, skydiving, backcountry skiing, blue hole scuba diving. That first step really is the hardest. But the reason I take it, which is the reason why you should take it, which you probably already know, is that that last step is 10 times better than the first. And that feeling you get of accomplishment and just success and the fact that you're alive or the fact that you, you know, you wrote that book or you, you ran that marathon, is just absurd. That is, it's a drug in itself.
1: The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 272. In the United States, over 100 acres of pizza are eaten every single day. I like to think I'm pulling my weight. I like to say that there is no wrong way to travel. Some people, like today's guest, Nate, like to go off on crazy, crazy adventures, while other people like to take it easy. Maybe lay around at the beach. You go to an all-inclusive. Maybe you take a cruise. Maybe you go to the group. Whatever it is, I truly believe that there is no wrong way to travel. It's just whatever way that you want to travel at that time. And case in point, Heather and I travel much differently at different times. Sometimes we're going off on crazy adventures and sometimes we're trying to take it easy. But I do believe that there is a right way to travel when it comes to lugging. And for me, that is always packing in just a carry-on backpack. So if you're looking for the perfect travel carry-on backpack, make sure to head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. And if you do grab something over at tortugabackpacks.com, always, always, always use the promo code EPOP. That's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that'll get you 10% off your entire order. One, two, three. three. I'll show you. Paris in the morning I'll show you London afternoon and You feel your Dublin heart is
0: burning
1: Yeah, well you don't have Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry. Joining me today is someone who has scuba dived the blue hole despite never having scuba dived thirty six hours prior, who has ridden around Chile in a fluorescent Star Wars van and who can drive a stick shift. Nate Menninger, founder of the Pathfinder.co. Nate, thanks for joining me today and welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's sweet.
1: And Today, we're going to be covering a lot of stuff. We're going to be including a few crazy travel stories. We're going to be talking about the necessary trust and faith you need when traveling, the benevolence of others you meet, why it's important to continually push through your comfort zone, all that kind of stuff. But first, Nate, where are you beaming in from today?
0: So today, I'm settled down in uh, Punta del Este, which is a small river town, small small, uh, ocean town in Uruguay.
1: Early morning for you and early morning for me, right?
0: Yeah, it's about ten a.m. my time, so a little bit later, but yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, what I want to do first, because you you've done a lot of crazy stuff. You you reference it on the pathfinder.co and your blog and everything like that. But I want to take us way back before all the craziness of your of, of the travels that you're in now, and think about like when you were a child. Were you always someone who was fascinated with travel? Did you do it with your parents a lot? Or was there this kind of aha moment that came about that you thought, all right, well, this isn't just a one-off thing. Like travel is going to be a part of my life going forward.
0: Yeah. Well, my parents, I was I was fortunate enough and my parents didn't you know, they didn't really buy the most elaborate things around the house, but when we did get something cool, we went on a sweet vacation. So I got to see some incredible parts of the world. But even though I traveled as a kid with my parents, I did still have that one oh wow moment. And I remember I lived in Spain when I was about 15, maybe a little younger. And I lived alone with a host family, not for long, but that one month was just mind-blowing. And I mean, I was so young was when I first started partying, <laughs> I've died down now, which is better, but it just opened the world up to me. And I realized, all right, this is, uh, this is what I'm gonna do.
1: What? was the reason behind you going to Spain? Was it was it like an exchange student type of thing? Was it something your parents pushed pushed on you, or was it something that you were pushing them to say, hey, come on, let me do this type let me do this thing?
0: Yeah, we had uh our school, which is a big, big normal public school, we had a uh, a few programs. We had this Spain program prop up, which was a exchange program. And my parents sometimes did exchanges, hosted uh, I think we hosted two British guys for a week. So I pushed it. I was like, hey, I'd love to go to Spain. I I'm studying Spanish a little bit here and there. Let's let's see what
1: Spain's like and and I yeah, fell in love there. What was it about being in Spain? Like, whoa, I mean, I know you say like the whole thing was an aha moment, but what why? Like, you know, it's cuz some people go and do that and they think, "Hey, that was really cool. That was a neat part of my life." But then it wouldn't become their life, right?
0: Right. Well, I think that I'm a little bit different than most people, and I, I kind of get out there and, and do stuff a little bit more, or which can be good. It can be bad, too, get into some bad situations. But when I went there, what I noticed most, and first of all, was that everyone was just so nice, and I hadn't seen that in America in such a long time. Just the fact that when you, you meet people, you give them a kiss on the cheek, which is now a normality where I'm traveling, but doing that over there, and the way people treated you and, and being... Being becoming a part of another family, basically having another brother that that was just incredible opening the world and meeting people, meeting people was what I fell in love with
1: What was it like then when you had to come back because you say it was a month right, and then you came back to normal fifteen sixteen year old stuff at home was it was it tough? was there some oh man i can 't believe i'm i 'm falling back into this or or did you just kind of take to that again, but say, all right, in the future. When I get older, when I'm making the decisions, I'm going to go again.
0: Yeah, I uh, I came back and I remember, I remember for a week I was like the nicest person I've ever been. I was so tranquil, so relaxing. I think my parents loved to be around me for that time. Oh, you've changed. You're so nice. A week and a half went by and I was back to normal, you know, complaining about regular random stuff. But I did realize I was like, obviously you're in school and I was big into sports. So sports were primary thing in my life I always had to do that but I realized after that was over whenever I had free time I was going to travel that was a
1: what what were decided. some of what did your travels look like then taking you up through your teenage years and then to where you're on now was it was it stuff that you did on your own were you going in groups what kind of things were you doing
0: uh I've had a little bit of off. so I've gone with my family around the world when my brother lived in China I visited him with my parents uh then I started doing trips on my own. So I played for the, the Israeli lacrosse team, the national lacrosse team in Israel. After which, I, I went back to Spain, lived there, and then went to Italy a little after. And then I worked all summer, bought like the cheapest plane ticket on earth. and But I went to Belize and I went with a friend who I'd met for an hour in Spain. I never knew. I just posted a Facebook status and said, anyone want to come? And ever since then, it's just been growing and growing, getting as as far as I can go and and now I'm six months deep into South America.
1: Well, and you mentioned that that trip where you say, Okay, I'm just gonna post on here and does anyone wanna come? Spur of the moment. And that's a lot of what your travel looks like and and a lot of the stories you tell is the spur of the moment type stuff. Yeah, why not? Let's go do it. Someone asked you to do it. Yeah, or, or you asked someone else. Does that worry you at times? Is there ever any, oh man, like what's going to happen when we get there or what's going to happen doing this? Or is it really just the excitement of doing these type of spur of the moment things that, that over and supersedes you know any type of worry you might have?
0: Yeah, I think I actually lack a lot of the worry department and faculty of my mind, which is probably bad. My mom is not a fan of that. But I know I usually, when someone asks me to do something and it sounds pretty sweet, I'm going to do it. Whether it's, you know, skiing something cool or or hopping in a van with someone I've never met, I'm probably gonna do it.
1: All right. Well, let's let's talk about some of those stories. Cause I kinda teased them out at the top of the show here. And um and one of the things you do on the Pathfinder is you're basically telling crazy travel stories in you know, through different posts and things like that. And some of them are Pretty crazy. Um, So I want you to talk about a few of your most crazy travel stories, whether those be the ones, uh, whether that be the one of you going around Chile in a fluorescent Star Wars van, whether that be diving the deep, uh, the blue hole. What are some of these experiences that you've had that only kind of crept up because you said, yeah, I'm going to do it. I don't care. Like, let's just go. Let's do it.
0: Well, I think the first one kicked it off, which kind of got me obsessed with this adrenaline extreme adventure was when i went to spain the second time and lived there uh i remember i I was with someone and they mentioned oh i think the running of the bulls is this weekend and uh i was like whoa uh, i've heard of that i've seen it on tv i know it's pretty dangerous uh i'll buy a bus ticket so i bust up there by myself with no place to stay no friends no plan got there and uh and that was absurd that weekend was absurd i uh didn't sleep for 48 hours i think or 40 hours and uh ran with the bulls and met a bunch of people and that's what got me hooked that that one was absurd but
1: so with this running in the bull story you know no place to stay no friends you know no real idea what you're getting into do you think that that's something that People would do when they're younger, like, and even yourself, maybe looking ahead, is that something you think, all right, well, I did that because I was 18, 19, 20, you know, I was young, this was this was okay. But as I get older, maybe I wouldn't do that. Or do you think it's something that anyone of any age can do and that you probably will do as you get older?
0: I would do it again, but I'm not sure other normal people would. I got there with absolutely no plan and and I just walked. the first thing I did was a bottle, bottle of wine. And I walked around the city, opened it up. And, uh, and I remember there was a trash can, an upside down trash can. And on it, it said gratis, which is the word for free. And there was two men on a bench and there was a cup of, of random liquid. And there was a bunch of random Americans, I think, talking and trying to take the liquid. And I walked over. Turns out it was two Belgium guys offering a, a vodka, a vodka Coke mixture so <laughs> we drank it, which was probably not the smartest decision looking back. But I think that other people, they can do the crazy things. You know, they can go to the running of bulls. They can do the, the adventures in South America and Europe and China, but they might not do it in the same manner. They might get a hotel room. I would probably suggest that. And uh, But every, I honestly think everything is possible. I don't think anything is impossible.
1: Yeah, Nate, one of the things that you do with the Pathfinder, the the purpose is kind of to showcase these stories, not just to sit there and brag about, hey, what have I, here's what I've done, but more, this is possible, look what happened, it was totally fine with me, I took this opportunity, or I took this quote-unquote risk, some people might assume it's a risk, and here's what came about of it. And that's, that's kind of what we do here on the podcast, too, getting people out of their comfort zone a little bit. Tell us about scuba diving the blue hole, because this is something that I think... Might even make me a little hesitant, because, as you mentioned in the post, you didn 't even scuba dive or you had never been scuba diving thirty six hours before, and now you 're taking on what is you know one of the most renowned diving spots in the world
0: yeah well i 'm glad you said that this isn 't about me doing uh, doing my own thing because I definitely don 't want to be a selfish egotistical guy i 'm trying to just unite people but Along that lines, it is cool to share some of my stories, and the Belize story is actually one of the, uh, one of my favorite ones. I went down there, as I mentioned earlier, I posted on Facebook, I said, anyone want to get out of the country with me for a few days? I was having a, a bunch of surgeries from sports at the time, and I just needed to get out of America and let loose. So someone responded, who I met in Spain for about an hour, and said, where are we going? So we thought about Nepal first, but the prices ran too high. And then I found out the cheapest ticket in the world to Belize. And I realized that the i had always made a list of the top things I wanted to do. And I knew that number one diving place was there. So we took off. We bought a ticket. We went down there. Once again, no plan. I did, however, negotiate beforehand with a company over there to organize a, a diving certification program and the blue hole, but it was really sketchy because I gave them this absurd timeline and price that was extremely low, probably a third of the price in America, and after a lot of negotiation, they, they caved in. But yeah, we got there, We I remember we got to the dive shop, which was this rickety old place uh, on the water in, in San, San Pedro, and uh, it's not Spanish, I don't know why I said San Pedro. Um, <laughs> But we we got there, and we settled in. We began our first dive lesson. They told us to watch six one-hour videos. Uh, I think we watched two, and then we started diving. And we went into the water. I always remember falling back off the boat and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. I don't know how I'll dive 135 feet tomorrow. But we kept at it, kept working. It took us through. We had a nice guide who was – a little stoic at first but he warmed up to us a lot and he loved us at the end the end the end which was just less than 30 hours later less than 36 hours later which normally i don't know if you know but normally uh, a dive certification a paddy certification open water is four to five days of diving and that's that's full time and we did everything in one short period and there was stuff we skipped there was a time when we you have to take a final test. I think he was helping us on the final. <laughs> uh, we had to swim 200 meters. That's part of part of the dive, the diving certification. On way way back to shore, he just threw us off the boat and said swim. And it was at the end of a long day, and I think I even walked a bit because it was shallow. Uh, <laughs> but we got into shore, and in that third day, you know, they were telling us. It a ridiculous story. For that third day, it's time you can't be sick, can't be all this stuff because we're researching it after at night. You know when we come home, we do a little research, take the test because we had to turn it in the next day and find out you can't be sick. Of course, it did have a little nose problem at the time, but kept that on the low. And uh, we got there at five thirty, five in the morning, I think. Settled out. Drove about two hours through some rough waters, which is pretty serious. Actually, that's that's one of the most memorable parts. And the waters can get really rough for some people, depending on when you go. Uh, they weren't that bad for us, but they were still crashing into the boat, which is about a, a small double decker boat with one one lower deck and the upper deck is open. Put on our dive tank. Our guy, our dive master. I don't remember his name exactly, but he gave us a speech. He said, "All right, we're diving down to 135 feet." And just so some of you guys know. The PADI certification that you get is to 65 feet and I think 20 meters. And you have to get another, you have to pay you know, another 600 bucks or whatever to get the next open water expert, I think, certification. And uh, we, of course, didn't have that. We had the basic one.
1: Right, which you had completed in like one day and didn't even watch the videos for mostly.
0: Yes, yes. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's very right. So this, this was not the smartest idea, granted. I'll, I'll give you that. But we went down, and they, uh, he says, all right, we're going down to 135 feet. And me and my friend are looking at each other like, oh, my gosh, that is you know over two times our, our depth limit. And uh, we're putting on our equipment. We don't, even, <laughs> we don't even know how to do some of the, the fastenings and stuff like that. And uh, he yells, "If you can't, if you can't follow me, turn back. You're not going to hold this group up. We have eight seconds to get down to the to the depth. If you're not there, turn back. All this stuff. Not threatening, but just you know, very cut and dry. If you're not, if you're not fast enough, if you're not good enough, go back and don't hold the group back. So, sure enough, we jump into the water. You know, we're waiting there, getting ready. And uh, my partner, my partner." in crime, yells one of our catchphrases, which I don't know if I really want to share on this. <laughs> all
1: right. Podcast. We'll just leave it at that then. He yells your
0: catchphrase. <laughs> he yells our catchphrase. And I echo the catchphrase and, uh, and we dive in. And next thing you know, we're emerging 20 minutes later and we did it. Truthfully, it wasn't the most beautiful dive in the world, as I'm sure people will see. There's a bunch of sharks that swim around you, uh, which is cool, but you can't see all that much. The next cool dives are later. But but the fact that we did it and you know went so deep illegally, really is illegally, and survived was uh, that was very very memorable.
1: Yeah, and I think that does. I mean, you know, some people will be listening and saying like, "Oh, well, that's so irresponsible," and and you know, th- you know, something could happen and this and that, and you know, there's some validity to that. And then there's other people listening like, "Oh my gosh, how do I find the guy who will let me dive 130 feet and only pay him a third the price?" Right, and I think that just Gets back to the idea that whatever it is, and and the point you were making, whatever it is that you're open to, you know, maybe you aren't someone who wants to take that big of a risk. Maybe you're not someone who even wants to go diving or anything like that, but it is pushing your comfort zone in whichever way you feel is still safe and is still right. And I think, as you said, like for you, even you were nervous with that. Someone who's like, all right, I don't really get worried about it. I don't care if I don't have somewhere to sleep coming up that night. But you were nervous about going down this blue hole because even you realized, all right, this is a bit crazy. We don't exactly know what we're doing. And it got you out of your comfort zone. One of the things that we try to teach people. What are some some things that you would tell someone who was, who was looking at these stories or is looking to travel, wants to push out of their comfort zone a little bit, but doesn't exactly know how or maybe feels obviously uncomfortable pushing out of their comfort zone and doing a little more. What what kind of advice could you give them?
0: Well, first of all, I would not suggest doing the craziest things unless that is what you want to do uh without research and stuff. I did research the blue hole and I and I did spend some time, you know, figuring out what's safe and what not. And uh but I would suggest, you know, Everyone knows your fears. You know what you fear, right? If you fear spiders, you fear spiders. If you fear heights, you fear heights. But there's always a way to attack that. And the feeling you get when you overcome that, which everyone has had those feelings, you know, those goals, that is just, that's incredible. So if you're thinking you want to travel and you think it's too hard, just do it. I mean, you've heard that in about every podcast you've ever listened to and every single article you read on traveling. Just do it. Just buy the ticket. It's not that hard. It's really not. And to be honest, if you don't like it, come home. And then you found out you don't like it. And you can find out what you really like. And then those, whatever, if it's an hour or two, if it's two weeks, if it's a month abroad, if it's traveling that you even really want to do, or if it's something else, you'll, you'll, you just gotta, I mean, the advice Yeah, it's hard to hard to give the advice. Just do it. But everyone's heard that.
1: Oh, I think that is a good point. I mean, the "just do it" tagline. Yeah, we all know that. We've all heard it a million times. Every time a Nike commercial comes on, right? Or, Or now any commercial about that kind of stuff. But I think the as you mentioned, if you take that first step, you know, it's not near as overwhelming. If if you're afraid to do something. And then you just buy, you know, the first buying the plane ticket, like maybe buying the plane ticket, the actual act of being on your computer and purchasing a plane ticket, not as scary. But what happens after that? Well, now you have the plane ticket. So that's another step closer to going. Right. And so if you do it like that and you just take that first step and, and that's probably again, not the scary step, that's going to push you further and further until you're at a point where then all of a sudden you're doing it and you're thinking, whoa. I don't even really know how I got here, right? Or, or, or I was scared, but now I'm here, and now I'm doing it, and and it's working. So I think that's the important point. At, and like you said, you just got the ticket to Belize. You're like, I'm gonna go do it, right? That was the start of a chain of events that led you to doing the scuba diving.
0: Yeah, that first, that first, that first step is the most difficult, as most people know. But even actually, I mean, it's it's synonymous with every adventure I do. You know, skydiving backcountry skiing, blue blue hole scuba diving. That first step really is the hardest. But the reason I take it, which is the reason why you should take it, which you probably already know, is that that last step is 10 times better than the first. And that feeling you get of accomplishment and just success and the fact that you're alive or the fact that you, you know, you wrote that book or you you ran that marathon is just absurd. That is it's a drug in itself.
1: Yeah, it really is and you're doing something that a lot of other people haven't done, and that's following one of your dreams, as you mentioned. It doesn't have to be always travel, but if you if you actually get to the end of that book and you finish it, you know that's something that so many people have said, "I'm going to write a book," and then they never do. So it, it's it's really setting the intention to do it, and then taking that step, and then seeing it through, which. Which I do think becomes easier to see it through after you get a few steps in as well, because at that point, like you're not gonna be sitting there getting ready to scoop either the black hole or blue hole, you know, all your stuff on and say, Yeah, I'm gonna turn back. I'm not gonna do it. I mean, you know, there's a possibility you do that, but typically most people at that point are like, Well, I've already come this far, let's just let's just see it see it through, right? Yeah,
0: I agree on all fronts.
1: We're, obviously, you're someone who does a, a decent amount of budget travel, uh, as we've touched on a little bit, uh, you know, sometimes not having anywhere to stay, sometimes you know talking a guy down to to getting really cheap cheap scuba scuba diving. What are some of the other things that you do when you're traveling to keep the cost down?
0: Yeah, well, as I find right now, my savings, which were not plentiful, have ran out. they ran out about four months ago. And uh, I keep trucking along. I did find some work, freelance writing, and I found some work as a product tester for an outdoor company, but that is very sparse, very sparse income. So you got to figure out how to save every single penny, which can be frustrating and can tire you out sometimes, but there are some easy ways to get over it. So there's a really, really useful thing called the Workaway, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I mean, you probably are.
1: I've never used it, uh, so, uh, yeah, if you've used it, give us some advice with it.
0: Yeah, so it's like a Craigslist uh, listing type website where you can go online, make a profile, you pay about 30 bucks for the year, and Uh, you volunteer for food and a place to stay, which when you're traveling is actually the most expensive, uh, the, the biggest expenses, right? So... I've done. I'm in my fifth work away right now. I just started yesterday or today, this morning. Took a break to take this podcast, and that has saved me thousands, thousands of dollars. And I think six months I've spent under, or I spent around two thousand dollars, a little bit more.
1: Wow! And, and what are some but, of the what are some of the jobs that you've done, and what are some of the jobs that people will see like that will pop up?
0: So I've done. I'd say I've worked in a on a ski area. I've worked in a a, a vegan hostel. I lost about twenty twenty pounds in two weeks. Uh, I worked in a in a camp constructing a house. I'm now working at a surf shop. Uh, and the best part about workaway is that you you find a landing place. And then from there, you meet the people you need to know that you can rent a cheap apartment or you can find another job. And I've actually found for the first three months, I never paid for housing, but I didn't work Workway the whole time. I had found people through Workway who just just spur the moment, kindness offered me a place to stay for free. And I took them up on it and you know nothing bad happened. That was an amazing experience. And and that all came from Workway, which I'm very grateful. Workway does suck because you know you're you're working for just food, and bed, so they can they own you. Right. Um, but but I do think it's a good thing to do for a week or two and get settled. And if you have no other options, it's a good way to conserve some money. There's also a bunch of other things. There's woofing, which is for farms, basic same concept, which I also worked. And there's a uh, there's one for boats, so you can travel across oceans for free. There's really everything. The internet, I found, is one of the most useful items in the entire world. And I didn't know before that. <laughs> I thought it was just, you know, for Facebook and whatever be it. But I've, I've connected with so many people that I used to think would be kind of weird. You know, I'm going to post in this group, to see if anyone wants to go skiing, and then meet four random people across the city who will end up doing, you know, this massive backcountry run with me. I would never do that in America. I would never have thought of it.
1: Right. Well, I think that's a a really interesting point too, Nate. Uh, With the Workway, A, it provides like this nice little safety net or support net really with like, all right, I know at least I'm going to have my lodging and my food taken care of and then you're going to be meeting people through that. And anyone who's traveled for any extended period of time or stayed in a hostel or been part of like a community environment... Knows how quickly those bonds form with. Hey, it's my first night here. You know what are you guys doing? Okay, I'm doing this. You go out to dinner or whatever. You might go grab drinks or go do something, go hiking. You know, it's like it's almost instantaneous when you find yourself in those type of places that other people who want the same thing as you are also at. And and again, hostels, um, whether that be people who are working with workway, same gigs and stuff like that. So it's really cool because you can almost come in. And all the hard work's done, right? Like you have to go to work, but then you can find places to stay. And I think you made a good point with the idea that when, when we're at home and whether that's home in the US or someone else who's listening, you know, whether you, when you're in your home area, we don't usually do the same type of stuff. You're not posting on Facebook, hey, who wants to go do this crazy adventure with me? But when you're traveling, all of a sudden you feel so much more vulnerable, open, but in a, in a very, very positive way
0: right yeah you have this sense that you have realistically you have nothing to lose I mean you can if you lose something you know if you lose your dignity or shame you switch cities you keep traveling and you restart and you can really be you can be the sometimes it takes a while but you can be the person who you want to be and and if they don't like it you switch cities or you or you change and develop yourself which is inevitable when traveling.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, that, that people are way less scared to be judged when they're traveling because they know if they want to be, they can be transient, they can leave. And usually that ends up being such a truer form of themselves than when you're at home or then when you're worried about what your coworkers are gonna think or your classmates or whatever it is. Um and I think that's one of the things that gets addicting with travel is that you can be who you want to be, and every day can be different. And um, and as you mentioned, it's this thing that people who start traveling and really like it keep chasing. And and but usually, compared to like, hey, I'm on this high and I'm on drugs, it's a much better you know uh, vice to have when it comes to the to the traveling vice. Um, why don't you, you finish off here with? A travel mishap because I know there's got to be some travel mishaps that you've had. And and like you said, you've done stuff that has, you know, we've talked about stuff that's worked out, but has there been a mishap that's happened where maybe even for you at that time you thought, okay, like I've gotten myself in too far or I can't believe this happened? And now looking back, you're like, "Ah, yeah, you know, it makes for a good story. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. Uh, I hadn't even thought of it earlier. It just came to my mind. But I had hitchhiked down to a small town about three hours south of where I was staying, Patagonia. And I was sitting at an all eco friendly, sustainable, <laughs> off the grid type place. And uh, they were putting me up for free. And the next morning, I decided I wanted to get out, you know, see the world. So I hiked up a mountain. I biked up it, which was probably the worst decision. Uh, I slept at a little refuge with just the the mountain man at the top. And the next morning I took off to hike the mountain. And this 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 day in total was one of the most absurd days and a bit scary, actually very scary at times. I uh, I hiked up the mountain and a snowstorm hit. And I was at the top of this mountain and there was there was nothing to see and nowhere to go and I, I really had no where, idea where I was. And a dog, a literally a a dog appeared in the middle of this mountain, a stray dog. And I was, I, was, I was like, what, is that a dog? So I started following it, and it led me to the summit of this mountain where I sat on this two-by-two-foot peak where if you fall, you're dead, and the dog is there with me, right? That was an absurd moment. I gave him some food, and, uh, and yeah, I named him guia, which is a Spanish word for dog, guide. He led me down back through the snowstorm, back to shelter, uh, but I had to, get, I had to get all the way back to my, my city, and it was about 12 in the afternoon, or yeah, almost one. So I biked down the mountain, uh, picked up my stuff from my hotel, and I started hitchhiking back. And This was my first time I'd really hitchhiked by myself, which is not as easy for a man as it is for a girl. Not as dangerous, but not as easy. And, uh, I started hiking and for about three hours I was walking on this road and I had already eaten all my food. I had no water and I was getting seriously worried because I had no money as well. Zero, zero dollars, no food, no water. And I was, this, this is a moment I was like, oh my gosh, what the hell am I doing? Uh, in Argentina, there isn't really credit card access. So you can go to a hotel or a hostel and they, they're not going to have credit card access. So I'm sitting there and now I reached the border. I've probably walked about, I don't know, miles, miles from the city center. Can't really walk back cause I'm gutted. I'm almost giving up. I'm like at the point where I'm like, what do I do now? Like this is seriously in the gutter. And uh, And some old dude pulls over, picks me up, gets in the car, quiet at first, And he tells me he's a history teacher. Tell him, oh, my dad was a history teacher a while ago. We start chatting. He gives me a ride. I'm going this way. All right, I'm going that way. He takes me back to his home in the middle of the mountains where he cooks. He warms me up, puts on the, uh, the wood stoves, feeds me, and just is super nice. And then drives me straight to my door. And this is three hours from where I was. It's not close. And he drives me straight to my door and drops me off. And that was – I, I saw, started somebody at 8 in the morning and I got home at around 10 p.m. Wow. To my other wow. house. And that was a very, very tiring day. A bit scary when I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going to sleep, and what was going to happen. And that's just – that's there, there are plenty of others sleeping in the sleeping outside in a marsh, you know, <laughs> Being 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 in a in a van that was uh, people thought we were cocaine dealers in the mountain and the cops came and yeah there are there are a lot of uh,
1: a lot of a travel stories that that you'll have to all put up on thepathfinder.co at some point so we can all check them out and some of them already are already up there including the this whole story about yeah the fluorescent van and that's pretty crazy that not only like. Kind of, you were in trouble two times that day, right? And you had a stray dog help you and a random man. I, I was waiting for the if it was like a made-for-TV movie, right? It would have been the guy took you back to his house, and then there was the dog sitting there. It was his dog, right? And uh, oh my god,
0: that would have been so, <laughs> have been so cool. But only in the movies, yeah. yeah. But but only in the movies,
1: right? Well, that's awesome, Nate, and I really appreciate you sharing and sharing the stories on the site because, as we said, it's not about us telling these amazing stories. Oh, I did this. I did that. It's more about teaching people that, that they can do it too, that we're nothing special, that there, there's times, I mean, maybe you less than me, because I'm fearful, I think, a little more than you are, um, but th- that there is this fear and there are these times that stuff isn't always perfect and isn't working out the way you want it to, but that's what an end, like, in the end makes us, A, have these amazing travel experiences and memories, but B, pushes us to change and evolve and develop and become better versions of ourselves. So I appreciate you sharing that and all the stuff that you do on the thepathfinder.co. What's in the pipeline for you next? What is it? whether it's personally, what are you looking at with traveling or professionally with the site and everything like that?
0: Yeah, well traveling, I'm, I'm going to keep traveling. I am getting relatively homesick, not of the home, but of the family. It's been a while since I've seen my parents and brother definitely want to see them soon. So I'll figure out a way to get back or, or I don't know, figure something out. Um, in terms of the website, I'm, I'm starting to make it a uh, more of a forum. So Anyone can submit. I just had a, an indoor golf pro who works on a cruise ship for the past three years email me with his story. And the goal now is, is to collect stories from, from people all across the world in every facet of life. So that's artistic, that's cultural, that's pure adrenaline-infused adventures, anything. And to share them, to make it like a, a Reddit website where you can go on and if you want to be a Formula One driver... Or if you want to be a famous artist or if you want to be, you know, a tattoo artist or something extreme in your field, you can go on. You can read a blog or watch a video and you can figure out, all right, this is how I enter the field. This is what this guy went through, this girl. And now it's my turn. And that's the whole goal, which obviously I lack some time and some content. But the content is yours, really. It's for the people, by the people. So Awesome. Otherwise, I... I'll do some more podcasts, meet some more people and uh and hopefully hopefully keep trucking along on this journey.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. And I, I think that it's so true. I mean, you you start with an idea and it, it changes, and it's always awesome to bring other people and their stories in because you know, as one person, you can only do so much. One of the great things we love about the podcast is being able to bring people on to tell their story, as opposed to people having to hear my story 250 times, right? So, um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> awesome, Nate. Thanks so much for joining us today. You know, regaling us with some of these great travel stories, reminding us you know, that people all over the world, people and dogs all over the world are inherently good and will lead you to the summit and back. Um, remind will lead you to the promised <laughs> land, Yeah, Yeah, remind people one more time how they can come find out about you, find the site, and how they can come connect with you on social media. What's the best ways?
0: Yeah, sure. My uh, Facebook, Nate Menninger. That's my name. That's where you can find me. Uh, my website is thepathfinder.co. And my Instagram, which I made for the website. I wasn't a big Instagram guy beforehand, but it's thepathfinder.mag. And you can email me at thepathfinder.mag at gmail.com as well. Otherwise, uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. And that was a sweet time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to
0: hear some of your stories someday.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, just listen to those other 250 episodes. Um, <laughs> that's all you have to do. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I appreciate right. Nate. Um, everyone else who's listening, if you want to get... Uh, we'll be linking everything that Nate just talked about. We'll link up in the show notes. So remember, you can get all the show notes for any of our episodes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. So go there. That has all the shows linked up including this one so you can find out anything that we're talking about if you're listening and you don't remember um, some of the stuff that we were telling you how to connect with Nate you can find that there don't forget if you want to if you are on Instagram like Nate is now like I am now and I'm starting to like it enjoy it more you can find us at Pack of Peanuts Twitter at Pack of Peanuts Facebook Extra Pack of Peanuts and if you're looking for a good travel backpack you want one that's carry-on size don't forget visit our sponsors TortugaBackpacks.com use the promo code EPOP E-P-O-P all capitals that'll get you 10% off your entire order Nate, thanks again for joining us, taking time out of working at the surf shop to come join us today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Awesome. Everyone who was listening, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for the continued support, as always, that makes us the number one radio travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris.